My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Hello, everyone. This is Gail, a.k.a. Sunshine. Today, we have Emma Reese joining us around the campfire. Emma, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and all that, and include one fun fact. All right. So um, I'm kind of, I'm from all over. My dad was in the Air Force, so I moved around a lot um, as a kid. And then we ended up in Virginia and met my husband and he uh, is in the Marines. So I up and went and moved again. Um, so uh, we are currently now in Charleston, South Carolina, right outside about 20 miles outside of Charleston. I have two kids, they're four and seven and they are awesome. A lot of work, but a lot of fun. Obviously my husband and we have a dog named Cooper. And yeah, I'm a middle school health and physical education teacher. I teach sixth, seventh and eighth grade. They're super awkward and I love every second with them. And yep. when people ask, how do you, how can you, you know, teach middle school? I always just say, well, if you can get past the attitude and just realize that's coming with them there, it's such a fun age because it's not elementary where they still need to, their hand held all the time, but it's not high school where they're kind of to the point where they're just like, whatever, I just want to be done with school. Yeah. They're still uh, malleable, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I used to think if you can just work with the attitude and not yeah. fight it. It's actually a lot of fun. Exactly. And a lot of that, like some of that is uh, at like back and forth with some sarcasm with the attitude. Exactly. It's it's an art almost, you know. It, it, <laughs> it definitely is. So you told us your dog's name is Cooper. What are your kids' names and what's your husband's name? Um, uh, my daughter, or my husband's name is Joe. Um, my daughter is named Eliza and my son is named Jack. Jack, awesome. not Jack, Jack. <laughs> awesome. But um. So I guess a fun fact about me, it's kind of, I was talking about it earlier, just moving around so much, but I have a fun fact is I've moved 14 times in my life. Oh when my. Down, yeah. When we moved to down from Virginia to South Carolina, that was our 14th move. And my husband left active duty. So he's a reservist now. So we are here hopefully until the kids are completely grown up and then we'll, we'll figure out what we want to do when we grow up too. Awesome. 14 times. That is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Times good places though. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. It's kind of a forced opportunity to learn more about the country, learn more about different cities, meet new people. Yeah. All of those yeah. My, my um mom always joked I could make friends with a mannequin because any, like I, I can make friends anywhere I go. My husband finds it a little bit annoying because <laughs> I'll, I'll just be, you know, out somewhere and I'll start talking with somebody and he's like, all right, we need to go. And, but yeah. it's, a good, it's a good quality to have. I definitely, think. I agree. Yeah. So what brings us here is cancer, of course. So mm -hmm. 
Can you tell us a little bit about your diagnosis story? Uh, symptoms leading up to it, treatment, surgery, what all of that looked like for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm actually a two-time cancer survivor, the same cancer, but um, each time was a little bit different. So in 2000, was it 16? Yeah, so it was December 23rd. 2016. So two days before Christmas and it Merry was a week Christmas. before, yeah, a week before my 28th birthday, <sighs> uh, got the call that, um, I had stage two classical bulky Hodgkin's lymphoma, which mm. is a cancer of your limb fat, your lymph nodes, specifically mm. the B cells. And what was crazy before is my husband about three weeks before I was diagnosed, he just had arrived home from, uh, what was supposed to be a six month deployment, but ended up being an eight month deployment. So, um, he was not there for the birth of our first child because he was deployed and I was diagnosed when she was eight months old, my first wow. time, what was kind of crazy. And I, and looking back when you, when you, once you know, you know, but I had all the symptoms of postpartum. I was fatigued. Well, hello. My husband was deployed and well, I was, right. you know, taking care. I was my first being a first time mom, taking care of a newborn, no idea what I was doing. So I was fatigued and rapid weight loss. Yeah, that happens postpartum um, and night sweats. And again, that happens with the hormone shifts wow. for pregnancy. You know, every time I went to the doctor and they said, you know, I think, I think it's just the hormone shifts. But what would the thing that did stand out the most is I did had a cough that was on and off while I was pregnant and postpartum. And I went to the doctor about two times while I was pregnant and two times after I was pregnant and I kind of got pushed away. Um, saying, oh, it's just postpartum phlegm or it's allergy season. You just have a cold. And so my husband got home and it was right before Thanksgiving and we were up visiting his parents. And and thankfully his mom was a PA for 35 years. And oh, I had yeah. that, I had that nagging cough again. And she, she's very methodical, you know, and she, she said she was laying in bed that one of the nights that I was there and she woke up the next morning. She was like, you need to go to urgent care. And I want you to get a chest x-ray. And I was like, why? She's like, you just had that cough for too long. I don't like it. And she was like, don't leave until you get a chest x-ray and demand it. So we went, got a chest x-ray and we, they discovered that I had a shadowing over my like lungs or trachea. They couldn't really see. So, uh, in depth. So they, yeah. I went, we went back home to Virginia at the time we were stationed in Quantico and we got a, a CT scan and it revealed I had an 11 centimeter tumor or mass just sitting over my trachea, which was what was causing wow. the cough. And I had, you know, the cough and the constant colds towards the end. I didn't have the colds in the beginning yeah. because there were it was, things were draining, but they had nowhere to drain because my lymph nodes on my, you know, in my upper two quadrants had essentially become just a mass of, tu of tumor. Yeah. So that was really terrible. <laughs> yeah. Shocking to say yeah. the least. Yeah. And to get diagnosed right before Christmas and my birthday and my husband just got home from deployment. So that was just a really challenging time. But um, I started treatment on January 5th. It was a quick turnover. And I did uh, six months of um, chemo cocktail, AB ABVD, which is very common, or it was at least, I mean, things have already changed since I went through it in 2017 was when I did treatment. I did that for six months and I was declared remission, which was awesome. And then in 2021, I, it was my first year back at teaching. We had had a, a, our son, a little scary. I was uh, six months post chemo and he was our surprise kiddo. 
because oh I was gosh. told during the first the first uh, battle, they said you, you probably like just expect maybe, you know, infertility. They asked if we wanted to do any egg retrieval. And I said, no, we had our, we, we decided as a family, we had our daughter. And if that's all we were supposed to have, that's what we were supposed mm-hmm. to have. And so we had, I was, uh, we found out we were pregnant six months after I finished chemo. So that was a scary time, but he is oh, man. healthy and beautiful and is just a strong kid. And my daughter was too. Yeah. Even though my oncologist said, he said it was kind of a catch 22 because I had, the cancer was growing while I was pregnant and Hodgkin's lymphoma, lymphoma is known as the young person's cancer. Yeah. So you see a lot of young adults that have it. But he said my pregnancy, again, a double or catch 22, whereas because my immune system is so suppressed, the tumor was rapidly growing. However, the natural hormones produced during pregnancy to protect the baby countered it and slowed wow. it down. So he he was like, you're, you're I don't want to say you're lucky, but you know, you, yeah. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. So then flash forward to 2021, I was my first year back at teaching health and PE. I was moving a basketball hoop and it kind of came down on me and it hurt my collarbone. And I was like, that, that stinks. And it was probably about three weeks later. I was like, why is this still hurting? This shouldn't be hurt. Like, you know, that's yeah. not a place. So I, I like had for a while, it kind of felt a lymph node, but I had an upcoming appointment. So then I called my oncologist and I said, you know, it's, this is just not, this pain's not going away. So she brought me in, we did an ultrasound and they found a hardened lymph node that was pressing into my collarbone. Now that lymph node itself was just made of dead cancer tissue from before, but there was regrowth happening over my uh, trachea again, that was pushing the dead, um, the, you know, cancer yeah. cell up into my collarbone. So with relapse, especially with Hodgkin's, they don't stage it anymore. You're just considered mm. a relapse. Yeah. Um, but I would, if she, she had told me if we were to stage it again, you would be stage zero because it was so small. Mm. Um, it was only about four centimeters of growth. And so then I did, um, four rounds. It was every three weeks I went and got a chemo, which was, oh, rentuximab, rentuximab, vidodin, and then the uh, immunotherapy nivolumab. And then we did that every three weeks for four months. So I had four sessions and then we did 15 rounds of radiation. And I've been been fully in remission since April, 2022. Awesome. I plan plan on staying in remission. That's right. Um, that is the plan, but we all know that plans never work out how you think they will. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I feel like you, we all kind of get a little bit of dark humor when you go through treatment. And I think so. <laughs> I definitely told my husband, I was like, let's hope it's um, third time's the charm, not three strikes you're out. If it happens. Right, exactly. He's like, why would you say that? I was like, well, I mean, you, I, have, I, you have to have some humor or it's not things. I'm with you. Have, you can't survive if you don't have some humor. Yeah. So did you not, you didn't have surgery any of the times they treated it all just with yes, chemo so and radiation. Besides my surgical biopsies, by the, I'm not a fan of needle biopsies. If anybody is going through Hodgkin's um, trying to get a diagnosis, needle biopsies are just, in my opinion, just kind of worthless, especially with, mm. Hodg- with Hodgkin's because um, there is a specific cell that they are looking at, the um, yeah. Reed Sternberg cell. And it's really hard to get enough cells from a needle biopsy, but both times insurance, that's what I had to go through. So needle biopsy, I did have a surgical biopsy where they cut through my right neck tissue to get to the lymph nodes that were pushing Mm -hmm. above my collarbone. And then the second time, because it was slow growth, but still there, they 
I did have more of an intensive surgical biopsy where they had to collapse my lung and go in wow. through my ribs and all that. But I didn't have any sur surgery to physically remove the cancer mm, yeah. because it's a cancer of your immune system. They just, they, they can't remove anything. So yeah. they treat it with um, internally with chemotherapy and immunotherapy and then, and then hopefully radiate it. So you were young, 28 when the first time? Yes. Yeah. What, like, what was the mental and emotional impact on you and your husband? And I mean, you were a mom, like a new mom the first time. Yeah. Yeah. What it was, was the impact. It was very, very tough. My husband and I, we got married in 2015, March, 2015. We found out we were pregnant August, 2015. And then uh, Eliza made her arrival May, 2016. And then I was diagnosed December, 2016. So we, we joke now, you know, right. we shelved 25 years of marriage into the first four Yep. Uh, because we did it, we did two deployments and we had uh, two kids and all that, you know, and just yeah. cancer twice and everything. Right. But it, it really wrecked me the first time I, I obviously it, it's never fun to hear that you have cancer. Mm -mm. I remember just being very numb to it at first, my body, I, I, I'm a big believer in not necessarily like sixth sense, but your body tells you when something's wrong. And I, for yeah. a while, I remember just feeling like something's just not 100% right. I just equated it to being a new mom and being, yeah. you know, my husband was deployed. I was solo. So when I finally got the diagnosis, there was, I was a little bit numb, but I was, there was, I guess I would say there was some relief because I finally had answers. Yep. But then I just went into almost go mode because I had to go through treatment and I still had a kid to care for. Um, I would say... For me, with both of my treatments, my biggest mental struggle was post-treatment. How so? I say, I say that because when you're when you're in treatment, you're so you're at least for me, I was very blessed and fortunate to be very supported. A lot of people reaching out, checking in, had all I, you know, all the support I could get, all the care for my my daughter. And then I got to the end of it and it was like, all right, you're in remission, we'll see you in three months. And you're sitting there and you're like, what, wait, what now? You yeah. know, and I, uh -huh. I, I felt that there was a lot more, you know, mental health support during treatment than, than after treatment. And so that's, that's kind of when I started struggling a little bit with my anxiety mm. and then COVID came around and I, oh, I was, yeah. I was doing really well, but during treatment, I was, um, obviously we're mostly all immunocompromised, but I was neutropenic for a good portion of it. Yeah. And so I wasn't allowed to go anywhere or do much of anything. So when COVID happens, I was super prepared, meaning that I had been there, done that. I'm yeah. good with, you know, cleaning and the lockdown and not going anywhere. Um, but it, it it was almost, it brought up all of those feelings that I had yeah. suppressed the first time, because once again, I was a busy mom. And then six months after I finished treatment, I we found out we we're having another. So I just do what I think a lot of people do. And I just pushed it way down. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it, it all started bubbling. Um, probably at the height of COVID. And then I, I, I started going to um, a cognitive behavior therapist and she, we worked through a lot of processing and slowing down the perseveration that can occur with mm -hmm. my anxiety. And she gave me like a weird diagnosis of your OCD due to a medical condition. So I didn't even fit into like <laughs> the normal OCD category, um, but, but really, really for me, I think my biggest struggle has been anxiety and yeah. letting go of, of control, 
my husband will laugh and say, you have control issues. I, I definitely do. I've always, <laughs> I've always been a controlling person. Yeah. Um, but with both diagnosis, it, it, there was so much lack of control that I was just grabbing on and trying to hold on for dear life for anything that I could control. Um, and then when I couldn't, I would just have these anxious bursts. Yeah. So, so how did that whole cocktail, I guess, yeah. <laughs> impact your relationships outside? I mean, obviously you're also a mom. So a lot of that time when they're that young, you were with your children and then there's COVID. So how did that impact your relationships with your friends, with um, your husband, with your family? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we, when I went through treatment the first time, my parents were about 40 minutes away. So luckily my mom would come and watch my daughter when I went to treatment. Um, this past time we had family alternating who was coming. Um, but being so isolated and being a young mom, well, I should say being a young mom in general is very isolating. And then add on the fact that I wasn't really allowed to be around anybody. Yeah. I feel fortunate that I went through this in the time, like the era of FaceTime and Zoom yeah. and and all that. And, but it really did just affect kind of me socially. I kind of, I was an odd bird for a while. Felt like I was back, like in high school trying to figure out my way almost, you know, just, just being around people was really challenging. Um, and my husband and I, at one point we did, we did, uh, have a few arguments because I was on um, a couple of support Facebook support groups for Hodgkin's lymphoma yeah. and cancer survivors. And there was just certain questions or things that I would ask in there and, and wouldn't talk to him about. And he was, he, he would get a little frustrated and say, I just, I don't understand why you can't talk to me about this. And I couldn't at the time explain it. It was just like, yeah. well, you don't, you don't get it. You're not going through it. And he would say, but I am going through it with you. But, you know, it, it, I know he was there for me and he's wonderful support system, but unless you're the one that's, you know, getting injected with poison, some, you know, it's, it's hard to really relate to, to what that person is going through. You can be empathetic to it, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's really hard to fully know what you're going through. And that, that was challenging for us. Um, We've definitely been married now eight years. We definitely had to to um, just like any young marriage, work through yeah. that, but add a little two doses of cancer in there. It's really ha- had us face a lot of hard issues early on, yeah. which is, which in my opinion was really good for our relationship. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend going through that route. For right. Everyone. Don't choose that. But <laughs> if you have find yourself there, it can right. have positive uh, benefits. Yeah. So was it through one of those support groups that you found out about Epic? No, actually I found out through Epic. Um, I was, so again, I mental health has been one of my biggest, um, struggles post-treatment both times. And so I was really looking at, um, resources for cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. And so through a Google, Google search that it popped up after when I was first uh, reached remission and I kind of put it, I put it on my bucket list. Awesome. Yeah, so what awesome. was life like, for you now you've talked a little bit about your mental health where were you physically um in terms of you know were you able to walk and hike and do all these things before you went to epic yeah so i i do feel very lucky in the sense that i so i've always i teaching health and pe i've always taken pride in my health and you know physical activity i'm uh, after you know having 
the pattern of kid, cancer, kid, cancer. My body <laughs> is not what it used to be. Uh, uh, but I still, throughout both treatments, I still made every effort I could to get up and move every single day. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, after um, chemo sessions, it might be a day or two. Yeah. Um, but I really did my best to get up and move and just, just use what I could at the time. The immunotherapy, this in 2021, I don't care what anybody says, I found the immunotherapy to be so much more challenging on me physically than the chemo. How so? Um, It's my joint pain was unreal to the point where they had me on like Oxycontin to like, like low dose to help me try to maintain my pain, super low dose, but But it it was to the point where I was like, my, I just, I couldn't even stand some mornings. And as I was saying, I'm a mom, I don't have time for that. You know, like I have to get up, I have to get my kids to school. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, so I probably pushed myself more physically than I should have for many reasons, but I physically going to camp, I'm not in the best shape of my life, but it was, it was something that the activities we did were challenging, but within, within my capabilities. Yeah. So what expectations did you have going to camp? Because it sounds like it, it it was on your bucket list. So it was out here. You knew a little bit about it. It's like, okay, you're going. So like, did you have expectations? What what were you thinking about this? Here you are, you're going to Colorado. So I, 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 said, I said, I've always had like a little anxiety. I've always been a little bit of a nervous person. Um, so that was way out of my comfort zone to go somewhere yeah. where I didn't know anybody you know, I saw some of the pictures. I knew kind of what to expect. Um, but it was a little intimidating, yeah. you know, and, and, and again, I'm a sociable person. I being a military kid, I easily can talk with people, but it was, it was just intimidating. I didn't know what to, ex- didn't know what to expect. I was excited to be around other survivors. I'm like, Oh, yeah. these people will get it. But it was just one of those things where I, I was nervous and anxious, but excited. Right. If that make if that make, it was like oh. a, a, a huge mix of emotions going in. Even while I was there, there's a few times where I was like, "Wow, this is really heavy. I like it, but yeah. this is this is like no joke. What we're doing here, exactly." Um, and it was well, yeah, it, yeah, it was great. I mean, you're talking to people like you who have been injected with poison and have had all these side effects, and now we're trying to figure out what is life like now, yeah. right? So after your week there and these kind of the different emotions and the activities and all that, what have you taken away? What are the biggest takeaways for you that you have now incorporated into life? And I know we're only talking a couple months, but still. Yeah, no, I, I think for me, and I'll, I'll go back to just, I'm still working through mentally all that I've been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I will for life. I'll have like, right. Like, to be honest right now, I have a lymph node that is slightly, that's slightly swollen. Now I'm going, I have a little cold, but it's always in the back of my mind. Well, is it just like a normal or like what's going on? So that, that is something that I think I will always have to deal with for me and all the adventures that we went on because I have such anxiety and, and I I do have control issues. um, It was really good for me to just let go of that control just a little bit. Yeah. And just, you know, realize that, that 
it, it will work out. It may not work out the way you planned. Some of the times I was in tears because I was frustrated. <laughs> it, I was like, this is not how I thought this would go. But that it's it's okay to be out of your comfort zone. It's okay to feel out of control. Yeah. And it's it's almost good yeah. to, to just let go because life is so unpredictable. And anybody who's listening to this, you know more than anybody how unpredictable and honestly unfair and unbiased life can be at times. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you can either let that keep you down or you can use that, learn from that and learn from all the, the, the good and the bad that come with the cancer diagnosis. And for me, that was, all right, this is way out of my control. I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to put yeah. one, one foot in front of the other. And that really came to light at camp is yeah, yeah this is way out of my control, but just do it. Just push yeah. forward and do it. And one of my fellow campers, um, when we were talking one of the nights, he said, he says, you, you, you can do hard things. Yeah. Do the hard, you can do it. And, um, it's just, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole idea of becoming comfortable with discomfort, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we're going to have it. We're going to have the hard and we're going to have the discomfort. So we can either like wallow in it and complain about it. Or like you've learned, you can embrace it in all of its uncomfortable glory mm-hmm. and move forward. That's awesome. Yeah. If you were to share something, anything else uh, with something uh, with people who are listening, anything that I haven't directly asked about, whether it's someone who like yourself has specifically a Hodgkin's lymphoma or cancer in general, or even a caregiver who might be listening, anything that you might share? Just, I know everybody is at different phases of perhaps even treatment, um, survivorship, recovery, and as I was saying before, it it's not going to be instant. Hmm. You're I don't even say getting over things because you do you don't really you're still processing everything that you've gone through. And as cliche as it sounds, but but time does help. And every day, every year that you are further removed from what wherever phase of life you are at, it does it does get a little bit easier. And yeah, just, just keep pushing forward, keeps trying to stay as positive as you can. Most importantly, reach out to those that you truly from this camp have become family. Yeah. And, and they're, these are individuals that no matter what type of cancer they have or what they've gone through, you all have a shared, a shared experience, both with cancer and at the camp. Mm-hmm. And I share things with these individuals that I have never shared before. Yeah. Um, and it was a really beautiful thing. So no matter where you are, keep pushing forward, reach out, reach out. And you're not alone. Mm-hmm. There are those there that love you and support you. And if you are hoping to go to this camp, just know there's people out there that love and support you that you don't even know yet. Awesome. Well, Last question that I ask everyone is marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy? Oh, flame and crispy. Right. I'm like, I stick it in there and, whoop, and then it gets all crispy and I smash it in there and go right ahead. <laughs> I am with you, Nudge. I am with you. 
nudges her camp name. I don't know if we oh, actually yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. This is I don't nudge. think we mentioned that. Yeah. No, For those of is... you that know, you know what you that know. is. That's right. <laughs> Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your vulnerability um, because it is important for people to know they're not the only ones who are feeling anxious or feeling nervous or having mental health issues related to their cancer diagnosis. So thank you for being well, vulnerable. Thank you so much for having me. I This epic experience has truly changed my life and just in multiple, multiple ways, but I really appreciate you inviting me to come and have a chat and just, yeah, thank you so much for everything. All right. Well, until the next time we gather around the campfire, keep living beyond cancer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Valentine.